What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Learn Lead Podcast. We have an amazing episode here with Mario Nawfall, a serial entrepreneur. We're just going to let you get right into it. Enjoy the episode. Mario, how's it going, man? What's up? How are you? How are you? You know, where, where are you right now? I know we're on video here. That an apartment? Where where you at? I just, I said hotel. I just arrived to Ukraine today. I was in Dubai yesterday. Uh, I've, I've been traveling for eight years. So every time you call me, I'm in a new country. <laughs> That's awesome. Why don't you unpack that a little bit? You know, what are you doing traveling? Um, I, I sometimes don't even, but can I curse if I curse accidentally? Just don't Please, wanna, please. I'm a fucking machine. Yeah, well, it makes the two of us. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I am. Um, so I dance around the world. I dance bachata. So I travel a lot because I do go to festivals. That's like my hobby. Plus, I'm always in meetings. So I have to go to like Tahoe for, for a quick lunch for two days. I have a dinner in New York. Um, I spend a lot of time in Dubai. I'm in here now. I was in Portugal last week because I had a client there. I stayed there for a week working with them. So, um, um, I, I'm just used to it. Like I can't imagine being in one country for too long. I'm just not. It's been too long that I'm traveling nonstop. That's amazing. Let's so let's circle back. We'll take it a little slow here. Where are you originally from? I hear the um, accent. Yeah. So I've lived all my life in Australia since being a kid. So, but I don't have an Australian accent because I was born in Lebanon, um, and I was at a French school. So it's a bit of a mix. And then I left Australia. I had a bit of an Australian accent, but as soon as I left eight years ago and I've just been traveling nonstop, my accent is all over the place. So <laughs> you're just kind of picking up a big fusion of all these different, these countries. <laughs> and it changes like, I'm just like a retard because it just keeps changing every month. And every month people are guessing a new accent. Hey, are you British or are you South African? Are you American? Because it just depends on where I'm spending my time. Uh-huh. And so now how old are you right now? Um, I'm older than I look, man. I, I'm, I'm not in my twenties anymore. Okay. Okay. So w- let's circle back to, you know, your early career getting out of Australia. What was your ambitions? What'd you start? I know I saw a little bit about how you, um, you know, started an e-commerce store with, uh, you know, some blenders or some smoothies type of thing. Why don't you, uh, you know, unpack that for us? Yeah. So my, my story is really interesting. Very interesting. Cause I started in e that's why you know when I I didn't get to eight figures doing what I do now, I got it in ecom. So I started knocking on doors when I saw a video on YouTube about a boy making his first million at age fourteen. I'm like, fuck! If he made his first million at age fourteen, I think I was like twenty twenty one at the time, and I'm I'm late. Um, so I immediately drop out of university. I was doing banking and finance second year. I drop out and I go start knocking on doors, selling anything I can get my hands on. That developed into Fruity, which is an e-commerce business that still exists today. It's killing it in over 30 countries. Um, and that blew up because the timing was right. And since then, I've kind of pivoted to a whole bunch of other things. I did. Um, I, I got into crypto in 2017. Before that, I did some events. I launched a consulting firm called IBC, which is still killing it till today. Became a partner at a law, a law firm called IBL. Um this one, something. I have a meeting with IBL tonight. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I partnered with a law firm, uh, started investing, and, and then uh, there's other businesses we could talk about later. But it all started with e-com. Awesome. So yeah, I want to talk a little bit more about the e-com space and Fruity. Um, Was that totally your venture? How'd you get that started? And what is Fruity? And are you still an equity partner in it today? Yes. Yeah, so I own 100% of the company. I bootstrapped it. Fruity is essentially a business that sells 
high-end kitchen appliances, predominantly blenders, juices, and like cooking machines. You know, they, it's called it's like a thermal mix. It does a whole bunch of things. And um, I got into it because I just saw a need. You know, when you're starting in entrepreneurship, there's just so many things to do. You can either have a vision and chase it, which is tough because then you're at risk of that vision being flawed or being too hard to achieve or someone else eating your lunch. Or you could just follow the money instead of focusing on the vision, focusing on what's getting an ROI. That's what I did and I do to this day. And um, Fruity just happened, Blenders happened to be the product getting me the ROI at the time and I just doubled down on what works. You know, I just tested a lot of things and when one pebble hits, so when I throw a lot of pebbles, one pebble hits, I get the cannonball and go all in. Um, and that's what I did. So I just went all in and, and Fruity is what it is today, which is a conglomerate in over 30 countries. So that's that's where it started, and it just seems like it spiraled into this domino effect of a lot of other businesses. When I go on on this website that I found in your one of your email threads, um, is it Athena Companies? What's the what's the website called? Athena Group of Companies dot com. So yeah. Athena Group of Companies. Group of Companies dot com. There's probably what a dozen on there, and that's kind of all the. Yeah, it's crazy. Tell me about that. What has all that insane. unfolded? Yeah, so I don't, I don't like to talk about this too much, how I have a lot of companies because it just makes it look like I'm scattered. But they're mm. all companies that are doing either seven or eight figures, some doing six, um, with a team and operating with little involvement from my end. So personally right now, I'm involved in um, one of our companies is going public in a few weeks called NFT Technologies, expected to go public in a few weeks. Um, and uh, that's taking up my time. So it's like a holding company. It's a portfolio company in the NFT space, in the crypto space. But I do have another firm that's a growth hacking agency. I don't do much there. I have a, a company that does um, marketing or stock promotion for publicly listed companies. I'm a partner there. Um, another one that takes companies public through SPACs, direct listings, IPOs. Obviously, I have Fruity. Um, So there's a bunch of businesses. Fruity, I don't touch. Like I might jump on one call every couple of months with them. Now, how did I get here? I, I love momentum, man. Like what makes me happy is growth and momentum. Maybe that's why I'm always traveling because I need that momentum, that movement. And just settling down and doing one, just focusing on one company just gets boring for me. I always want the next challenge, the next thing because I can make a lot of money and, and anyone can. Getting one thing right and just tripling down on that. Apple is, is one obvious example. But that's not me. That's not my personality. So what I did was I, I would build a business and then hire the right people that can manage it, and they take over. And that model has worked well, and it kind of mitigated my risk. So I've got a few businesses in the crypto space. If crypto goes to zero tomorrow, and, and that happens and crypto goes up and down, it doesn't impact me. I wake up the next day, I just move my team and my focus to another business that's already operating. I move it to, to our company that deals with, with uh, taking companies public, for example, and scale that. So I've mitigated my risk by having my eggs in very different baskets and completely different industries. Mm -hmm. And so a follow-up question to that would be, how long do you think it takes to get the business up from the ground running to then implement the team and take yourself out of it? That's a really tough question, man. Like People love to answer this one, give you just various cheesy, vague answers. But Seriously, man, even for the smartest entrepreneurs, it's hard to know when to drop an ID because it's sexy to talk about someone never giving up and then the ID finally works. 
It's a beautiful story. Uh, what's his name? The guy that started, that created the light bulb is one example of that. Tesla, I think. I mm-hmm. don't know. He like did a, a whole bunch, thousands of them before one worked. But you're, that's a really risky strategy because when are you just beating a dead horse? You just don't see it because you're too deep in your ID. When is it time to pivot? Because another sexy idea is pivoting. Silicon yep. Valley love to talk about pivoting, pivoting, pivoting. So what's that balance between pivoting without having shiny object syndrome and persisting consistently without beating a dead horse? And no one has an answer to that. Maybe having a mentor, I never had one, but if I had one, I'm sure I would be better off. Um, but having a mentor that can objectively look at things for you, having a few mentors, not just one opinion, could be a good solution to that. So you have people that are objective yet experienced giving you their perspective. That's number one, how you can know if you're spending too long on an idea or not and how long to spend. And then the other one is having metrics to focus on. How do you know if an idea is good? Well, am I building a community? Is the community engaging? Is the product being well-received? Are people repeat purchasing? Uh, Are there good reviews? Those metrics will tell you that, hey, you're onto something, even though the, the bank... Uh, the bank statement may may show otherwise. And my question to you is, how the fuck did you do all this stuff without any guidance or mentorship? The I'm thankful that I was born in the age of the internet. Um, you can have mentorship by listening to podcasts like this one. Uh, just in time learning. Like if you want to learn something specific, Google it. Find an objective self-aware expert in that space. On that particular subject, not someone just likes talking for the sake of talking and listen to them. Now, it's not as good as having them ask, having the ability to ask them a specific question relevant to your business, but it's still valuable. You just got to spend more time to get the information you need. So mentorship is there. I've got many mentors if you look at it as such. And my mentor, this is my mentorship. This, they're in my ear. I have three of them, three because they keep running out of battery and I keep swapping them because I can't not have them in my ear. And I have a Bose one as well as backup, which is always around my neck. Everyone knows me to have it. Where is it? It's there it is. So I have this around my neck the whole time, which is the Bose court. That's, that's my mentorship, man. I'm always there uh, listening and learning from others. In the world that we live in too, with, with whether it's podcasts or um, what's the, what's the, uh, we, me and Antonio just got into something that I think you're connected with. What's it called, Tony? Um, the, uh, the the app on the we use it on the phone. It's more like a phone call, but it's it's more broad based. Yes, Clubhouse, Clubhouse. Um, okay, did, yeah, the audio rooms. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a connection to Clubhouse? What's the story there? Because uh, Clubhouse is like new oh. to us. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're kind of late because they collapsed recently. They were really? crazy. F- yeah, they blew up early this year, like blew up. Um, but now they dropped by like 85, 90%. Wow. Um, I was the biggest name on Clubhouse. Uh, I used to have 10,000 people listening to me a day, seven days a week. And then got into a bit of a, a disagreement with the founders and, and then I, I'm off the platform. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I had a really big audience on Clubhouse, really, really big audience. Hey, and hey uh, I'm not going to let you get away that quickly. If you're able to legally dissect what happened there can you can you chat with us a little bit about it yeah sure man sure it's so weird it's so fucked up it's you, you, know, you can make a movie it's just so weird okay like you want to laugh a bit there's bad luck you know i am where i am but i've had a lot of bad luck on the way so 
I was I wanted to build my personal brand and Clubhouse came up. I'm good mm. at speaking. That's a good way for me to communicate. Um, and I don't sell any courses, by the way. I've never sold a course in my life. I have nothing against them. But I just want to make that disclaimer because you'll see why later. I even have a video. If you go on my YouTube, the first big video I made two and a half years ago just says, fuck paid courses. That's literally the title <laughs> of the video. Love it. Anyway, so I went to Clubhouse. Clubhouse had a lot of people selling courses. I grew really quickly. I would have a room. My first room had eight people. Second, 12. Third had 30. Fourth had like 100. Fifth had like two, 300. And then sixth had like 1,000. That's 1,000 people listening to me at, at a specific at a time. So all, all in all, people come and go. It's like probably mm -hmm. And what are you talking about? Just briefly, what are you um, talking about there? General business and trends and ideas. I used to love trends.co and, and exploding topics, which are um, sources of new trending ideas, new opportunities. So I would love to discuss those um, and just talk about business and answer people's questions. Because gotcha. I, I I'm a very objective person, very factual. I avoid all the fluff. And, and that kind of, that went well with the audience. Now, I blew up. Um, I built relationships with a lot of the big names. I, I you know, came up with ways to really get a big audience by inviting other big names to my room. And it ended up being the biggest daily room. Now, I was known as the guy that doesn't sell courses. Now, there's a guy called Jason Calacanis. You might have heard of him. He's um, a pretty well-known investor, a VC on Silicon Valley. He's got his own podcast um, that's really popular as well. So he's got a massive following on Twitter. In the hundreds of thousands. And um, he comes on, on, on Clubhouse and goes into a room that I was in, but I was asleep. So well, on Clubhouse, you can actually stay there, but not actually stay on the app because you go to sleep and your name still stays there and wake up mm -hmm. and continue being a moderator and moderating. So I was sleeping. He comes in, apparently has a disagreement with one of the mods there, not, not me. It's not even my room. And um, she kicks him off stage. Someone kicks him off stage because he was being disrespectful to her. She sells courses. He hates people that sell courses. And then he went. He goes on a hissy fit, gets his audience. There's a recording of it. Uh, I, I removed it. I, I had it published online earlier. But he, had, he had, gets his whole audience to go and report my account and suspend me uh, because he thought I was leading a group of people that sell courses. That was his assumption because I was the biggest name, even though it's the complete freaking opposite. Mm -hmm. So then people go report me. My account gets suspended, even though I've, you know, I've been very kosher since day one. Bit of a shock. Um, so the whole community kind of gets up in arms and Clubhouse is known to be, used to be known for taking forever to deal with people that were unfairly suspended. They're very slow in doing that. So the whole community jumps up and goes crazy in messaging Clubhouse, spamming them to, hey, unsuspend Mario. Fair. And then one guy decides to take it too far. He, um, so he's a big fan of mine. Apparently I helped him somehow. His name is Shane. And uh, he starts calling the founder and say, hey, can you please get Mario back on? Now, that's a line you don't usually cross. Like, you don't want to go into people's personal lives with something related to business, especially something as small as, you know, unsuspending an account. Now, the founders thought I was involved in the whole thing. I didn't know about it till he, the guy told me and told the founders together. And then they take a stand. They send me a legal letter. Hey, stop messaging us, etc. I'm like, I've never fucking messaged you guys. Turns out later I found out that this guy's been messaging them. I'm like, guys, I have nothing to do with it. And I kind of go up back and forth and like, this is not right. That's not how you treat things. You, you know, you talk about freedom of speech and here you are suspending me forever, permanently suspended. I don't care now because the app is dead. Permanently suspended because someone contacted your personal freaking number. Like it was just it's ludicrous for me. Um, and yeah, and then the press got involved. There was rooms done. There was a lot of noise created. The Reuters, not Reuters, 
The Guardian and, and someone else talked about it or rooms done about it. So it's like a big thing on Clubhouse in the early days when I got suspended. My story was was being talked about a lot. But yeah, that, that's my uh, my journey on Clubhouse. Um, but still, definitely a good app. I don't think they will last. I've said this even when I was big on there because I don't see it as a social media platform. I see it as a feature. It's the, it, it triggered the audio-only chat, the live audio-only chat with an audience listening to you. And now everyone's doing it. Twitter's doing it, and they're probably bigger than Clubhouse already. Um, Telegram's doing it. Discord's doing it. Facebook launched their own audio rooms, beta. LinkedIn is working on them. Um, and there's a couple of others also doing them. So everyone has today, actually, some app today, I think, announced to, to do, uh, announced their audio-only version. So Clubhouse triggered the audio-only chat, and that became a feature on other social media platforms. And I think that would be uh, that would kind of end it for Clubhouse, which is already happened. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, th thank you for sharing that. And duly noted, because I was actually thinking about um, starting to create my own Clubhouse community. might just focus on other platforms that are growing, such as like TikTok would, I, and YouTube. I would still do it, man. Like it's, it's still an audience there. It's a bit more crowded. It's a, fair, a lot more crowded than it was before. But it's still easier than the mature platforms. Um, there's a few ways you can grow on there by just getting people with a big audience into your room. Um, but like the rooms when I was there would be a minimum of a thousand, like the biggest room would have a thousand to 2000 people. That was the minimum room. If I go on clubhouse now and look at the top room, just opening it up now, top room. Okay. There's one with a thousand. Oh, that's not business. So business, there's literally none with a thousand to 2000. The biggest one is yeah, nothing. So it just shows you that the, the app from a – okay, there is one here about fake people versus real people, kind of businessy, 200 people. So it dropped by, again, 90%. But I, I would recommend focusing on audio only. This will be my focus as I get more time again, hopefully next month, to, to focus on my personal brand. Twitter Spaces, Clubhouse. Um, Spotify has their version of audio rooms but still even smaller than Clubhouse. But Twitter Spaces, Clubhouse, and Facebook's audio rooms – uh, would be and LinkedIn when they launched this would be four places to focus on because I think audio only live chat um, is still in its infancy and I think it's got a way to go. My question for you for some reason when you were talking just kind of sparked in my head. You seem like we're, we're on video right now for those that are just listening audio here and you seem like you're you're by yourself. How are you doing all of this and handling this all of this capacity by yourself? Um, how do you manage relationships and friendships? Um, are they just simply business relationships? And if there's no value, you kind of cut that off. You know, what does your life look like from a personal standpoint? Man, that's a, I've done at least probably over 100 podcasts now. Never been asked this question. Yeah, I think it's a really important factor of why I am where I am today. So I haven't had a friend since primary school, since as far as I remember. Not one friend. Never been out on a beer with guys and, you know, just chilling. I don't just fucking chill. Um, that's unhealthy, though, because there's a TED speech about it. The most common factor for human death, not most common factor, the worst thing for your health that could lead to early death, before smoking, before being fat, before all that stuff, is not having human interaction. So I had no human interaction. I just focused on my business. That changed though. So a few years ago, I, I met a girl and we started having life and, and living life. But I danced bachata. So I, I'm a considered a bachata artist. So I get invited to festivals around the world where I just 
dance on stage with girls. And bachata is a dance where you dance really close to a girl and you can dance it with any girl. It's a social, sensual Latin dance. So that kind of became my growth hack. I run a growth hacking agency, so I'm a growth hacker at heart. That became my growth hack to having human connection. I'm traveling right now. I met here, so I was in Dubai. I came and my dance partner is here. She's not in the room here. I'm pointing, but she's not here. She's out with, with people, but... Um, she's meant to be here. She'll be here tonight. And we got, so we train dancing and stuff and we, we go to the festivals together. So I do have that person. And I did another interesting thing in, in, in not clubhouse in during the pandemic, I rented a big villa in Turkey. So I was in Turkey at the time. So I hunkered down there. I rented a big villa on the beach and invited all the smartest growth hackers. And we started the growth hacking mansion. We called it. It's a 12 bedroom villa with a jacuzzi and everything on the beach or near the beach. And we all started working there during COVID. We were very strict about COVID and managed to build We Are Growth Hackers, our growth hacking agency, which became the heart of all our other B2B companies. That's what triggered a massive growth for our companies, added, you know, the growth hacking that we do. But I, I had it all in the villa. We lived together and worked together. And we're very close now. Guys, girls, it was just, a, it was just so, so interesting. Fucking big brother on steroids. And now I do it all the time. I got a villa in... in um, in another country that I'm not disclosing for security reasons, and there's um, a third. Uh, how many people there? Like, no, oh, between ten and thirteen. I was there four months ago, doing another one in Dubai, uh, and we're talking about doing a, another one, either Colombia or Thailand. We're doing probably Colombia. So now I'm just getting big villas, and I can go visit them. So I'm always now with people, even though I don't have friends, even though I don't go, I don't watch Netflix or just chill or any of that. I. Dance with my dancing partner. I go out to, to parties, bachata parties and festivals. And I work with my team and I'm on the phone 24-7. So I have three AirPods. So I do have human interaction, but not friends. But you did mention one point to end it with this. You said, are all your relationships just business or nothing? Yeah, I'm, I'm at that stage now. Unless it's like a, a girl that I can spend nice time with or a dance partner. If it's none of those two, it's business. I love it. Um, you've got a lot of shit going on in your life, right? You got the business side that's driving that's driving a lot of the activity. You have some social. What's your like? You mentioned seven and eight figure businesses, right? So, you know, to be presumptuous for a second, I would assume you know you're able to you're able to sail off in the sunset and do what the hell you want for a long period of time. I imagine. What is your drive as to why you get up every day and build these businesses? And what is your what is your drive inside that keeps you going? Back to not answering with anything sexy or a nice quote. I'll answer with something very pragmatic. To know what your drive is will give you an edge in life. Knowing what drives you allows you to focus on that. If it's human interaction, surround yourself with people. Work in an office. Hmm. If it's solitude, but peace of mind, ensure you don't have stress around you. If it's the adrenaline of sleeping with 10 girls a week, Sleep with 10 girls a week. We'll probably need a psychiatrist, psychologist for this, but let's say a couple of girls. So understand what drives you. What drives me is momentum and growth. So you got to peel the layer. Like I said, if you sleep around with a lot of girls and you think that drives you, no, peel that layer. Why do you sleep around with many girls? What does that give you? Does it give you a feeling of being important or dominance? Maybe that's yeah. what drives you, dominance. Um, with me, it used to be like business drives me. But then Bachata came in and I love Bachata, man. Like, I love this shit. I would dance like six in the morning in festivals. So then I'm like, 
all right, so it's business and bachata that drive me. But no, when I peeled that layer and I had I had Les Brown, so I get a lot of celebrities, used to have a lot of celebrities in my clubhouse rooms. And I had, I think it was, no, not Les Brown, Jay Chetty. And we kind of dug into this, me and Jay Shetty. Um, or I can't remember, I think it was Jay Shetty. And we started going through those layers together. And, and I found out going through those layers that what drives me is not business, it's not dancing, it's not none of those things. It's the feeling of momentum and growth. So later I could just stop working the way I am. Probably not want mm. to happen because I enjoy it too much. But I, it gives me, it feeds that need of mine. So I just doubled down on it. So um, can I ask? Can I can I ask a little lo- a little deeper? Like, why is it? Do you think? And you and I may have already cut you up before you got there. But why momentum and growth? Like, what is it about momentum and growth that gets you, that gets you going? I don't know. That's a hard one because people like to give answers to this one. They feel like they need to give an answer, sure. but no, you don't. Why? Because who you are today is not because of what you did last year or the year before the year before. Most of it is what happened to you during childhood because that's what forms who you are. Mm. Studies show, you know, um, a nature versus nurture. Studies show that what happens to you at childhood plays such an important role in you. Are. If your dad beat you up as a kid, I, am, I guarantee you it has something to do with who you are today. Probably Absolutely. in a good way, in a bad way, a mix of both, but it does. It's hard to know what it is because I don't remember most of my childhood. I don't know why. I just don't remember it. And most people remember very vaguely or don't remember at all, especially like, you know, going very early, like a year or two years old. And it could be something major like an event like your dad abusing you, physically abusing you. Or it could be something minor, like watching a certain movie that happened to stick in your mind. So I might have watched a business movie as a kid or watched a movie where there is momentum in it and that caused me to where I am. Or it could be uh, DNA from my mother. So it could be one or the other. Um, so that one I don't have an answer to. Now, if you ask me, because I want to kind of give you, instead of just avoiding the answer, I'll, I'll give you a direct answer. If you ask me, okay, then what made you into the person that you are today in terms of like not just chilling, not having fun, not just doing nothing with people, like just relaxing with people, relaxing with your friends or something, or having fucking friends. Uh, I think that's the migration to Australia kind of triggered that. Um because I, I was apparently, according to my mom, was a very social person in Australia. I would have birthday parties with half the school there. But when I went to Australia, that completely changed. I didn't speak the language. My pride kind of got destroyed. And we moved a lot in Australia. So it was a tough period. Very tough. So that could have made, I think that event would have made me who I am today. And, and as you get older, traumatic events are the ones that shape you the most. All events shape you. Traumatic ones will have the most impact on you. Migrating as a kid is a traumatic event um, among many. So I would say to, to, to kind of use your your question to a different point that I can give you a, a, an answer to, what made me who I am in terms of not being very social is the, the I think is the, I'm assuming it's the migration to Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to take all of those experiences and everything and bring it to kind of just a basic, maybe a little cheesy point to make but it's a and i drink i drink the tony robbins kool-aid a little bit hopefully not too much but but yeah and and i think what it comes down to is human beings and this is just my belief is that progress every single day equals happiness regardless of the results regardless of the money regardless of the success whatever's whatever the hell's happened in the past has happened in the past but if you're not if you're not making progress today you're starting to dwindle you're you're not going to stay the same you know what i mean yeah you're not who you were you're not who you are, 
you're always becoming. Mm. So I paraphrased a very important point is that when you look at, oh, I like how your mic slide up. Like, hey, I want to speak. <laughs> Fucking cool, man, legit. Um, like if you look at who you were, like bad things you did in the past, that doesn't mean you're a bad person now. You can have criminals become good people. A lot of people disagree with me on this, but just look at the research, look at the studies and look at some prisons, how they treat their criminals and the results compared to, to US prison, the US prison system. So it's always someone's becoming. Who I am now is not who I was, not even close. And who I am now doesn't matter because it's who I will be tomorrow, which is different to who I am today. It's always small differences and, and you're constantly yep. evolving. Yeah, um, and, yeah, and that's sorry. a really important point you made, man. Now, I, I'll let you jump in because I, I love Tony Robbins and he talks about the pillars of happiness and each person needs to know what pillar is theirs. Is it giving? Some people just love to give. Is it pride and ego? People love to be having that power. Is it progress? Is it, you know, is it, you know, stability? There's different aspects. And you just got to know which one triggers you so you can then know where to put your focus and surround yourself with people that relate to that point. So they help you do that. Sorry, man. Go ahead. Absolutely. No, that, that was gold, boys. That was some great stuff. And, you know, a couple of things that come to mind, I always say this is like, you know, stop judging people on where they've been and start judging them on where they're going. Right. So like I made a lot of fucking mistakes when I was younger, right? You know, severed relationships, didn't do the greatest things, but I'm 100% writing that wrong right now. You know, I'm being better every single day and committed to it. So why should I be held as a victim of my past? Does that make sense? And then on the second note, I was on a coaching call um, with a guy I highly respect. And I was coming on, I was like, you know what? I'm doing all this activity and I'm really putting every action plan that I've set, I'm taking action on, I'm doing it, I'm making the steps to go forward, but I don't really know why I'm doing it. Like, what is the actual end goal that I'm looking to achieve? And he was like, you know what, man? Like at the end of the day, as entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you guys can relate this, like we may never find the answer to that question, but all that matters is that we move the needle forward every single day. Like when your head goes to hit the pillow at the end of the day, did I do everything I could to be better tomorrow? And if you can answer that question, that eventually leads to fulfillment and gratitude and all that stuff. So I, uh, I think that was a great point both of you guys made there. The, the book, The One Thing, makes that point in their own ways. Like what is one thing you could um, do? Okay, so what is one thing you could do today that will help you achieve the goal you have for the week? What if one, how does that goal, the one thing you could do that week, that weekly goal to allow you to achieve something for that month, that month to allow you to achieve the point for that year, that year for the next 10 years. So you kind of go through your goals, what you want to achieve. And then you just focus on one main thing, put most of your focus there to allow you to reach that daily goal that relates to the weekly goal, that relates to the monthly goal, that relates to the quarterly, six monthly, etc. So Boom. it's another way of making the same point you're making. Reverse engineering it. So now... What is that one thing for you, putting you on the spot? What is that one non-negotiable, that one non-negotiable that has to happen every single day to make sure you're putting the needle forward? Okay, so I'll kind of, that answer will move away from the answer most people will expect. It's very basic. So consistency is everything. Bruce Lee has a popular quote about this. What scares him more than someone that does one big kick is someone that, that does, you know, a lot of small kicks, a thousand. No, it does one kick a day for a thousand days rather than, you know, a hundred kicks a day for a week or something like that. Yep. Um, so it's consistency over a long period of time and the power of compounding. Einstein quoted that it's the most powerful force in the universe. So 
to ask you a question, what is the one thing that's non-negotiable every day? My health. Mm-hmm. I haven't skipped a day of exercise in years, in like five years. I don't exercise a lot. I do like maybe half an hour worth of exercise. But I never skip a day. No matter what, I had surgery, I'll fucking do it. I'm flying for 20 hours. I'll exercise in the plane. There's space in the plane. So I'll always find a way to do that exercise because that consistency is important for, for mindset. So that's one thing that's non-negotiable is my health. Like I, I do a lot of biohacking. A lot. I have a team of three people that, you know, they book me clinics everywhere, whether it's cryotherapy or, or physio and chiro or, or, or whatever injections and shit that I, they, they do for me, stem cell therapy, everything. So the non-negotiable man, every day, health, sleep well, exercise for 20, 30 minutes. Dude, you just, no you just made my day because I'm not sure if you know, um, we own the rights to the, the hashtag and the trademark of consistency wins. That is my life. That is what I'm building my brand around. Um, we definitely them, have to chat offline your about show them your arm right yeah, now. It's, it's on, it's <laughs> on my forearm. It's tattooed on my fucking forearm. There's a wristband that says it. Um, I want you wearing this shit. You are the epitome of consistency wins. Um, so definitely have to chat a little bit offline after that. Um, I do want to be respectful of your time cause we are at the 30 plus minute mark, but I did want to get to this question because that was a, a great point you put up, brought up about your health. And I know it's going to be relatively like that. Um, the answer to this question but for someone that's been doing for 10 years now, and when I say doing, you just, you know, you're taking action every single day, have not stopped. Um, how do you combat, you know, burnout? Because it is a real thing. And how do you keep your energy up to prime yourself every single day to be at a peak performance every day? Okay. So I want to just add one more point to your consistency. Just imagine two people running the same race on the same track, all else being equal. Very basic. Who wins is the person that does, doesn't stop. It's really that yeah. simple. Jim Collins talks about it. The person that keeps going, especially during tough times, is the one that will eventually win, especially during tough times. You know, if you want to measure if you're consistent, look at what you're doing when you're depressed, when the economy has gone to shit, when there's a pandemic, when, when you're fighting with your family, whatever it is. If you're still consistent during that, I was still exercising when I was going through the worst period of my life. I was diagnosed with a tumor. Turns out to be not cancerous later, but I had emergency surgery, a personal crisis. Uh, I was uh, scanned by my manager at one of my companies, lost millions. Uh, there's a legal case against him now. All in like a couple of months, I found out about everything. Yeah, I still exercise every day. I still focus on my health and slept. So consistency during tough times is even more important. And, and now, that, that's, what it, that's what it means to me. Sorry, I just want, just want to get no, that in there. No, that's no. what consistency wins means to me is saying I'm going to do something and executing on it every single fucking day, no matter how hard my day is, no matter how tired I am, no matter how hungry I am, I'm getting it done because I said I would. It's that simple. I fast ahead, every day. Yeah, I used to fast every day, seven days a week, 30 days a month, never skipped a day. 18 hours a day fasting. Now I do it less. So uh, now to be consistent, don't have big goals. I don't exercise for three hours a day running for an hour, carrying weights in gym, because then I need to go to a gym. I need weights, etc. I'll try to do that maybe once a week. But I just do like 20 minutes of exercise, four things that I do. Push-ups, like, it's just the same four things. It takes you 20 minutes. So that allows me to be consistent because it's something that I can do even though I haven't slept all day or, or I, I hurt my arm or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. make sure the goal is not too big. Try to beat it, but make sure to achieve it's not too hard because then you don't have to break the consistency. Um. To go to your last question, 
which is what was the last question again? What, what are oh, you uh, doing momentum. to prime yourself to be in that peak performance mindset? Okay, so I'm in a position. Luckily, I don't I don't burn out, but I do have mechanisms to avoid me from burning out. So I haven't burnt out yet, thankfully. But most people do, and I I I wouldn't surprise be surprised if I do as well. So having an exit out of business is really important, and there are times when I just need to, especially recently, like not recently, but yeah, recently, I need just to kind of tune out. Uh, dancing is the answer. So having an exit away, away from work ensures you're not so deep in work that it starts to impact you on a personal level. Because if you don't have family to go to, if you don't have a game to play, which is nothing wrong with gaming. I don't game, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's a great exit. Whether gaming or, or again, hanging out with girls or guys, um, dancing, whatever it is, even if it's as simple as you're spending half an hour on Instagram, anything is probably not the best one, but it still works. Any activity to get you to tune out of your work is important because then you can look at your work without the emotions of being attached to it. You can look at it objectively where you're not so deep into it that if you lose it, you have nothing left. Mm -hmm. If I lose all my businesses and all my money, I still have an incredible passion, which is dancing. So that means I can make decisions objectively without that, that emotion um, impacting my logic, which is a bad place to be as a, as a CEO or as a, an entrepreneur. Um, yeah, so that answers your question, man, about what drives me every day. And then taking care of your sleep, I don't, I don't never put an alarm, ever. And my phone's always on silent when I sleep. Always on silent, never an alarm. My sleep is sacred and my health is also even more sacred. And I spend thousands of dollars a week on all the stuff that I do for my health. So um, well those are the three things. And you don't have to spend that much money. Just do the basics. Sleep well, eat, drink, and um, and have some exit from business. Hey, well, well said, brother. And you know, one final point I'll bring up because I've been reading about it because I've experienced a little bit of burnout because I've been nonstop all these hours a day without even taking a break to eat or anything like that. Um, I've started to shift around. My entire life has revolved around my business. Instead, the mindset shift should be the business got to revolve around your life, right? So like your non-negotiables in life were, would be bachata for you, right? For me, it's like taking care of my dog and making sure that I'm exercising. And then the oh, business nice. comes in between that, you know? So like, obviously it's a blended lifestyle. I don't call it balance because there really is no balance. And I'm sure you can, uh, you can attest to that. The balance doesn't really exist. And for anyone trying to tell you that I'm trying to achieve this work-life balance, you're clearly not a fucking entrepreneur because it doesn't really exist. Um, but that that peace of mind, that exit of where can I be um, for an hour or two to you know clear my head, not worry about business, so that I could come back to my business with a peak performance mindset. It's so much more productive than just trying to grind out every single day. Man, and having a dog is so use so helpful. Like having a pet um, is incredible. Like I wish if I wasn't traveling, I love having a fucking dog. Man, it would be sick. Mm-hmm. Land, do you have anything to uh, to say before we wrap this up? No, man. I, I, we would usually say, "Hey, Mario, what do you want to leave our guests with?" You did kind of go on a long, a long stint there of just dropping value, man. So, I, I mean, I'll give you the floor to tell our guests or our listeners how how they can follow you, how they can follow your journey, if you'd like, um, or you could leave them with a with a you know thirty forty seconds of just whatever you'd like to leave them with. Yeah. So, if you want to follow my journey, just Google my name, Mario Norfolk. N-A-W-F-A-L. Um, but I don't want to talk about that. I'll, I'll end it with, let's see if I can end it with something really useful. Um, all right, so 
a lot of people listening to this are trying to find a mentor, someone to listen to. And I think it's really important to do. And there's so many fucking self-proclaimed mentors out there. Look for two characteristics when looking for a mentor. Don't look for someone that has billions. Don't look for someone that is really good at speaking or yelling or motivating. Look for someone who's objective and self-aware. Objective is... Not objective, sorry. No ego and self-aware. Humble and self-aware. Humble because if they give you wrong advice, they will... Admit it was wrong advice, not stick to it because of their ego. That, that's something that happens so often. Someone gives bad advice and they keep sticking by it because they want to be right. They're like, hey, shit, I gave that advice. It must be right. I can't be wrong. I'm, 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 my name is Mario. I'm the best. So someone who's humble is really important because they're also humble enough to know what they don't know. That goes to the next, next point, self-aware. They know their weaknesses. So look for a mentor. When looking for a mentor or more than one is even better. Look for someone who's humble and self-aware, especially when you're on apps like Clubhouse where every fucking person is a mentor. Um, that could change your life. But at the same time, finding the wrong mentor could or mentors could uh, destroy your life. So that's probably one thing I can end it with that hope brings value to the listeners. Boom. Well, thanks so much, Mario. Appreciate you uh, going over this time constraint. Didn't want to stop you rolling because, um, you know, there's so much that I want to extract from you. I kind of see myself kind of go gearing towards what you're up to in life. So definitely appreciate you coming on and dropping some knowledge bombs and some value from a young guy just getting after it in life. So amazing stuff. Best of luck to everything. Appreciate it. Thanks. Dude, it feels so good to be back. It is like, I felt like it's been forever since we've had a, uh, a conversation. I know it's been a couple of weeks, but there's been a lot going on in our lives. You and I have been in and out of touch for a little bit. I've been traveling all over the fucking world. What's going on? Likewise. It's almost October. It's weird to say. It is so weird to say it's almost October. I, I like For some reason, I still feel stuck in summer, but at the same time, it's going to start. It's getting colder out. Mornings are like 40 degrees. I don't know. It's it's a weird feeling, but it's it's like you said, all over the place. So it's been yeah. It, it's so it's really wild because you look back and it's like, where did all this time go? It's been almost two years since COVID started, and then I, I actually had this weird experience the other day where it started to get a little cold, and I felt like the cold air, and it brought me back to all these different experiences in my life. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of powerful. It made me think of the last conversation we had um, with Bill O'Haran of like that meditation and like, what do these feelings and these senses bring you back to? And I actually meditated in that moment. It was pretty powerful. What'd you think about? What'd you meditate on? Uh, I just, honestly, it's tough to bring it up right now. And not in like a, it's not like personally, I just, just thinking back on it. I'm not really sure exactly what some of those moments were. I, I actually, you know, one, one specifically was like, when you feel that coldness is like waking up in the morning to go to like morning conditioning in baseball. Oh yeah. Um, and then it brought me down that rabbit hole and as like bullshit morning conditioning was, I miss it so much. I miss every little aspect of it. I've, I've come to learn that I'm not fully over my baseball career. Um, it still sucks sometimes when you, you watch some of these major league players and they're making plays that I, I like, I'm seeing some of these guys. I'm going to, I don't want to say names, but specifically Gary fucking Sanchez. He stinks. Um, <laughs> He is one of the worst baseball players I've ever seen in the catching position. And I'm literally do I could do things that he actually does not have the physical capability of doing. And I'm sitting here sitting on my ass and he's out there making millions of dollars. Um, so it does hurt a little bit. 
but sports are okay. so so situational, especially when there's really for football or baseball, there's one prominent league and there's all these other little leagues that trickle off. But like you're only gonna build a sustainable like career where you never have to work again in one league for each sport. Really. I mean, I guess you can go play in Japan or go, you know, play basketball overseas or do things like that. But in general, the NFL MLB, the NBA, like those are the money makers and how many players are, you know, out of the millions that play the game are actually in that league. A lot of it comes down to, I mean, obviously you got to be a talented cat. You got to be able to run. You got to be able to do your thing. You got to be able to be fast and strong and whatnot. But how many guys slip through the cracks? Like there's, there's, there's more guys that belong on that quarter on that field uh, that aren't in the league than there are guys in the league. Like literally it's, it's from crazy skill, from a skill standpoint and ability. That's it, so true though. Cause at a point, it really does get political a little bit and some people just don't get the exposure that they deserve. And it's not even an excuse. It's just, it's kind of bullshit a little bit. Um, you know, maybe the guy was the coach's son or this guy knew this guy, or this guy was a big donor. Um, it does get like that. The cream does rise to the crop to, to the top over time, but it it is a tough, tough uh, avenue to go down. And like Grant Cardone, uh, you, you have something to say, so go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'll hit you with a crazy story to go off what you said before you go into the, the Grant Cardone story. But uh, my buddy Zap, who I played college football with, he shout out to you if you're listening, by the way. He listens to a lot of our stuff. He was about four years older than me when I got to school. He was an older quarterback, all-American kid. Um, got got a camp invite to the, to the Bills the same year Josh Allen was picked up, was drafted, right? Was an $18, $20 million uh, twenty dollar you know deal he he got brought on for. Um, I have a couple friends that I'm connected with, and it's kind of ironic that everybody was at the same camp. But I have people. There's three other individuals that I know pretty well on speaking terms that were at the same camp. Uh, one of them was the center, was a center, Khalil Rogers, played at USC, played it played at Chapel Hill as well. Um, so two big schools. Um, and and straight up said. So it wasn't just the it wasn't just coming from Zap who had said that he played really well and honestly outplayed Josh Allen, but even other guys in the camp said that he was completing more passes, picked up the offense faster, was just outperforming him. But he was a, a free agent, you know, camp invite guy. Um, two weeks later or a week or so later, they they called him in and cut him. But it was like from a performance standpoint, he was outperforming Josh Allen, who look where he is now. I mean, look what yeah. Josh Allen's doing in the NFL now. He's one of the highly touted cats, but it's crazy to think like who knows if he was on a, a different scenario where maybe they didn't just bring in a first round draft pick and he was on a different squad. Um, they had said that they had never had a quarterback pick up the offense as fast as he did. Like, yeah, ever. it's so I wild, mean, man. If he had it's, been on a different all, team, it'd been a whole different outcome possibly. You 100%. Know I mean? And it's all about, you know, if someone was sticking their neck out on the line for you, um, they're going to ride with you a little bit more or in baseball, like in the minor leagues, if they have money invested into you in the draft, they're going to give you right. a lot more opportunity to fail as opposed to like, even if you're a million times better than this number one draft pick, if they don't have money invested to you, they'll let you go easy and they don't care. Right. Right. Um, so it, it's a really weird world, man. And like Grant Cardone says, and I'm really appreciative that you sent me that video. Basically, he was talking about, especially specifically for athletes. You only have realistically, I mean, the greats, you see the greats, they play like Tom Brady, he's an anomaly, but most people, the average lifespan is probably less than five years. So make your money, but understand that like this skill does not continue to exceed with age. Like you're going to lose this and that income is going to stop. So how are you going about investing in assets? Also investing in your personal brand, because mm -hmm. when you step off the field, you also need to be conscious of, you know, where you're going because 
a lot of these people just spend their money on bullshit and they end up being broke. Very easy to go broke. Um, it's crazy when you look at what Tiger has made in endorsements versus what he's made on the golf course. Like he's got an amazing, amazing, amazing career earnings and, you know, and, and professionally. But when you look at what like these athletes, these high level athletes are making in endorsements and business deals, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it's, it's really funny. Uh, I had a conversation with one of my mentors, Brian yesterday, and I'm, I'm talking, I'm like, like literally you're 40, you've been retired for 10 years, but you're never satisfied. And he literally goes, yeah, I, Honestly, every time I level up, I just get broker at a higher level. I just, you just start to realize that like there are certain things that you want that like you still have to make that contemplation of like, oh, is this a wise investment in my from mm-hmm. my dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's not at the point yet where he can just spend a hundred grand to go be in like Tony Robbins's inner circle. You know what I mean? Right, um, right. But that that's where we're all striving to achieve. It's not about money, but it's about what the money can do for me. The money gives you access. The money gives you opportunity. That was a great conversation we had with Jared couple of weeks ago and that that one got a lot of views a lot of good feedback on jared if jared mm-hmm. if you're listening to this thank you so much for coming on but yeah we just wanted to circle back i know Landon and i haven't circled up on the podcast for a little bit so we wanted to give you guys a little insight into our lives in the last two months me personally i've been to florida utah vegas back to florida and then to jamaica yeah then we went to jamaica um, and I did like some little thing on Instagram that actually got a lot of engagement. A lot of people were excited. Like I wasn't telling people where I was and I was getting people to guess and everyone's DM is like, dude, where the fuck are you? Like, why aren't you, why aren't you telling people? <laughs> um, so that was a fun time. And now, you know, home for about a month and a half, then go to El Salvador for a retreat with the live better guys. And you know, we're, we're plugging away. Life is good. What about you, man? Hey, I, I've, uh, traveling a good bit as well, but football but coaching. Is- yeah, coach yeah. Talk a little bit about it. I coach a uh, high school football team, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. Um, it's been really cool, man. I, 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 uh, I mentioned this in our in our book group. I, I, mean, I mentioned just kind of how I was at a crossroads where I either like step away from my businesses and step away from what I'm generating revenue wise and help out and and like give back a little bit and get a lot of fulfillment, or I, you know, maybe I leave some money on the table. Right. That's kind of, this was the, this was the crossroad for me. Or, you know, I could go, I could go leave some money on the table and go do that and be really happy with it. Or I could just kind of buck, buckle up and just continue to do what I have been doing, missing the game of football with COVID in the back, in the rearview mirror. Hopefully I was like, I was back and forth with the decision if I was going to um, come out and coach and do it. The opportunity presented itself. And I, I sat on it for like a month, told the guy initially no, and then ended up coming back to him and saying, Hey, I'll do it. And then it's been, for like the last six months, been a lot of fun. It's been awesome. Yeah, from from what I've gauged from you, it, it's been an amazing decision. Um, it looks like you're having a blast, and you're still doing pretty damn well in business. So it's, it's, it's all about yeah, sustainability. Yeah, yeah it's it, like uh, there's there's a guy that I'm training right now with for for my CFP. His name's Brett Danko, and he's like, if you want to get something done, go find a busy person, right? Like if you want something done, go find a busy mom or go find a busy like someone who's got no time to bullshit. And mm-hmm. this schedule has now forced me, like I lose, I, I lose three and a half hours of my day between 1 PM and four to 5 PM. There's just some really, really, really crucial hours for most people. So my yeah. mornings are more productive than they've ever been. I I'm up at four. Like I usually am. However, I don't have this sense of cushion 
throughout my day. And I've realized that there's a ton of stones that go unturned in my day when I, when I have too much time on my hands almost. I, and it's, I'm glad you say that because I actually got to watch Tim Grover, the absolute legend speak in person. And in his book, he also says it as well is it's not about managing your time. It's about managing your focus. Cause yeah. if you are locked the fuck in and you're focused, think about how much time slows down. Right, you could get so much more done in two hours if you're focused than 24 hours if you're just kind of dilly dallying. I've 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 been there myself, you know, hopping on Instagram, taking a phone call here, uh, stopping to play with the dog. It's like, okay, I can be super productive for these two hours, and then maybe I could take a break, then be more super productive. That's what's worked for me lately. Is okay. Let me block out time to be really in a flow state. That doesn't last for seven, eight hours. It does not work that way. That is why be main corporate major offices are not productive because they have these people working eight hours a day for their, for, for somebody else's dream too. So there's no motivation either. It's almost disgusting at this point, but I digress, man. Circling back. I know you talked a little bit about the book club. The book club is growing big time. I can't imagine it being free to join for the next, you know, within the next couple months to, you know, three to six months. And that's not saying that we're going to charge out the ass for it. It's more so we're getting, authors of these books on there. So we want to make sure that we're respectful of their time and that we're also giving back in ways we want to grow it in some really cool ways. So if you want to be a part of that movement, DM one of us. Um, I'm at a Vaglika. He's at Landon Archangelo. Or is it Landon Archangelo? L Archangelo on what Instagram? Yep. Landon dot Archangelo. Awesome. Landon dot Archangelo DM one of us. We'll get you guys in the community in the right spot. We just want to bring value and really help people achieve their goals. I've started to realize that's really what I want to do. When people ask me, what do I do for a living? Realistically, I connect with people and help them solve their problems. That's all I want to do with my life, whether that's financially um, and you know, spiritually, physically, whatever you want, I can connect you with someone who can. Um, and other than that, I hope you guys enjoyed the interview and we love you. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to the Learn Lead Podcast, where you get to own your life. Stay tuned for our future guests coming soon. Make sure to like and subscribe.